You're listening to another great message from Northside Community Church. Hey, we always say here that uh, the quality of our community will always be the secret to our mission. And that is the, the degree that our lives are that of beauty and of wonder and of difference and of distinction uh, from the rest of the world will actually be the very means by which uh, people are attracted to the church and to Christianity. And how that operates in the church or a subset of that principle is what I loved what Mike McQueen said once at our Young Adults Retreat. And he called it the ampli- amplification principle. And the amplification principle was this, that, uh, that, that it was you ask yourself this question, if everyone in the church did what I did this week, would the church be advancing, retreating or staying the same? And I think it can be easy to just apply that to giving and to service and to attendance because they're all the things that pastors want to sort of turn the screws on. But the more critical question underneath that is, how do you apply that question to your spiritual life, to your holiness? Because corporate visibility, all that we're doing here, actually can um, cover over individual responsibility. Uh, you know, I'll put it this way. that Excuse the reference, but an, an individual's sin uh, is like when someone breaks wind in an elevator. I mean, you don't know where it originated from, but everyone can smell it and it taints the whole experience. And so it is with someone's sin in the church and how we live lives is you, you can smell it and it, it taints the whole experience for people. And, and so therefore, there is a dynamic that we're going to learn from God's word tonight uh, that really it's up to each and every one of us, me, you, uh, all of us here, uh, to move down to those levels to see how are we really living uh, the life of the world or the life of God? And how do we get help with that? How do, in more simple terms, does the amplification principle apply to your leading by the Holy Spirit? And so we're going to read from Romans chapter 8. Verses 5 through to 13. Uh, Those who live according to the sinful nature have their minds set on what nature desires, that nature desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind of the sinful person is death, but the mind controlled by the Spirit is of life and peace. The sinful mind is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those controlled by the sinful nature cannot please God. You, however, are controlled not by the sinful nature, but by the Spirit, if the Spirit of God lives in you. And if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, your body is, if, but if Christ is in you, your body is dead because of sin, yet your spirit is alive because of righteousness. And if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus Christ from the dead is living in you, He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who lives in you. Therefore, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation, but it's not to the sinful nature to live according to it. For if you live according to the sinful nature, you'll die. But if by the spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. The other guy, the Holy Spirit, leads us. That's what we're learning this week. We've learned that the, uh, the other guy 
is a person. Week two, we've learned that the other guy lives in you. Now we learn that the other guy, the Holy Spirit, leads us. And when we think about the leading of the Holy Spirit, I was reflecting on how I get led by the Holy Spirit. And here's how, what I don't want you to do this week, although I can be guilty of preaching this in the past. But I think of times where I've really needed to hear from God. So I get all spiritual and I, I pack a little blankie in my boot and I, I drive the Mazda 3 down to DY Beach and I go to Sea Change and I get myself a skinny latte and get my little takeaway cup. And I get my little blankie and I go down and it's, you just imagine it's like six o'clock in the morning and the sun's just rising up over the ocean and there's not a soul around except for a soul jogger running up and down the beach. And I put my towel out and there's my journal there and my latte's there and everything's looking great. And I just sit there soaking in God's creation and I open up the Bible, my journal and, and I sit there saying, yes, God. Speak to me. And, and, then, and then it hits me that that's, that's not how the majority of Christians in the world live. I mean, there, there, are, there are Christians who are getting blown up. There are Christians who are running for their lives. There are Christians who are being worked to the bone. There, there, are, there are Christians that don't even know what a skinny latte is. And, and, and here I'm doing that. Look, if, if that's how God leads people in the Holy Spirit, then I tell you what, there would be a very select few that are led by the Spirit of God, right? <laughs> that's not what I'm saying that you necessarily do tonight. And what I realized is when I look back at some other aspects in my life and how the Spirit has led me, and I'm sure you might have the same experience, is that you know, I, I think the challenge is that we can treat the leading of the Holy Spirit like a scene out of Driving Miss Daisy. And the scenery is beautiful and we just sit there and we're just enjoying the ride. And yet I think the leading of the Spirit is more like a scene out of Fight Club. We don't talk about Fight Club except in church. Now, look, I'm not saying that Christians, Christians go beat each, each other up and, and go crazy and, uh, and are excessively violent. But the, the point is it this, that the Christian life, I don't know about your experience, but the Christian life is a fight. It's a fight. And before you're a Christian, you're actually fighting God. You know, verse 8 says your mind is hostile to God. That's fighting language, right? And the fight is on the outside, uh, but it, it begins to change. It changes like the bar brawl, if we're going to talk fighting, that I saw at the Newport Arms once. You know, I was hanging out with some mates and this fight began to break outside in the outdoor area of uh, the Newport Arms there and beer glasses were flying everywhere and tables were being upturned and, and then they ran inside into the area of the, of, of the bar and it, everything sort of went slightly quiet outside until you saw a chair fly out the window every 30 seconds or you could hear the sounds of smashing glass but there's no evidence of the fight on the outside but there was something going on in the inside. Now, isn't, isn't that exactly the case of the Christian life? Why is, it, why is it like a fight? Verse 9, you, however, are not in the realm of the flesh, but in the realm of the spirit, if indeed the spirit of God lives in you. But this passage is paralleled wonderfully, and ironically, it's because Paul wrote both Galatians and Romans, but uh, it was paralleled in Galatians 5.17 where he says, So I say to you, walk by the spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit, and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. See that there? There's conflict. There's a fight. They are in conflict with each other. I just said that, Paul. And so that you are not to do whatever you want. 
You see, the truth of this passage in Galatians and Paul's teaching on the Holy Spirit is that there are actually two natures in the Christian. There is the flesh and then there is the spirit. Now, when we think flesh, we, quick side note, we must remember when he's, he talks about flesh, it's sarks, uh, the word sarks. It doesn't mean physical body. It doesn't, it doesn't mean uh, we talked about the desires of the flesh, things like lust and immorality and all of those physically fleshly type sins. No, he's talking about an attitude or a mindset that is hostile and away from God. That's in nature with what he's teaching here. So he's saying there's an attitude of someone who's all of their life in simple terms of flesh. In this translation means someone who has all of their life revolving around them. And so there's two natures. So what he's saying is that, back to the point, that Christianity is a fight. Because when you become a Christian, you don't stop struggling. The fight, just like the Newport Arms, moves from the outside to the inside. And if you know any of your good friends or any of our family here who are Christians, we know every now and then we see the sound of smashing glass. Or we see a chair flying out the windows of our lives every now and then because we know that there's struggle deep inside for each and every one of us. And so keep in mind, before you became a Christian, you were fighting all right. You were fighting God, but you didn't know it. You were, you were kicking and screaming against your own true nature. And that's because the Bible says, you know, that all human beings, here's the summary, are created to live around God and to worship God and to center their life around God. But when you're outside of the will of God, you, and, and like verse 8 said, when you're hostile to God, then you, you don't do that. And so that's what Paul means in verse 13 when he says, if you live according to the sinful nature, you will die. He's not saying, oh, if, he doesn't mean like the minute you sin, you're going to drop dead. You see what he's saying? He's saying the sinful nature is like, uh, like, like pulling, pulling a wagon without wheels on it. You can do it, but it's not meant to be dragged like that. And it can be incredibly frustrating. Not that I've physically dragged a wagon without wheels, but you get the point. Now, 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 what we've been learning in this series is in comes this other guy who's a person who indwells you. The very lifeblood of God indwells into you and comes into your life and it changes the very nature of who you are. And what is that change? It's, it's a yearning. It's a feeling. It's a yearning for God's holiness and his righteousness and his purity and his goodness and his life and everything wonderful about God. And as a result, now there are these two different natures in your life. Two parts to your mind and your soul and your heart and your will. There's two parts the whole time. You've got now two sides to you as a Christian and that's why the fight is on. (laughs) Because on one hand, this side of you wants to live for itself. It wants to do its own thing. That's what we call the sinful nature. It doesn't mean that you're worthless. It doesn't mean you're a horrible person. It just means there's always going to be a side to you that wants to live for itself. And then there's a side to you, Paul says, of the spirit that wants to live for the things of God and the rhythms and the wonders and the grace of God. And so there's two sides to you. And that's why the fight's on. And, and the key point, again, is that the, the, they both exist at exactly the same time. I think this is really important because this is what I got out of this teaching when I was doing my own study this week is both exist at the same time because I don't know if you've ever felt like this or thought like this. You know, some churches stuff this theology up. You know, some, some people say, oh, you're all spirit and no sin. And, and other churches say, you're all sin and, 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 and no spirit. And, and as a result, we tend to separate the two. And I don't know if you think like this. You, th- you think that at any point in time, you're operating in an either or. So if I've, been a, if I've been a bad boy this week, then I'm on the sinful side, right? 
And then if I've been a good boy, then I've been on the spiritual side. And, and, and you break, you, sometimes you start thinking in days and then you break it down to hours and then it becomes in the minutes and you become the most conflicted whirly bird sort of person. <laughs> and what, the revelation I got out of this this week was, no, both existed exactly at the same time. You are wholly filled with the very lifeblood of God, his spirit into you. And yet that, that life that we still have is, is also indwelt by that sinful desire to go our own way. And so can, can you see how, uh, how freeing that could be for you tonight if you get the theology right? That it, it, it means that if you're having a shocker of a week and if there is shame and there is guilt for things that you know that are not of God in your life tonight, that still his very lifeblood and his spirit resides within you. <coughs> And that if you've had a shocker of a week, because that spirit resides in you, it doesn't mean that God has been any further away. It doesn't mean that God has been any less absent in your life. It just means that that part of you is winning the battle. It's winning the bar fight. But in fact, it can actually be the other, worse the other way around. This is what religious people do. If you think that every good thing that you've done this week, if every you know, I went to church on Sunday night. I didn't go to the city to surf. I went to church. Right, If every good thing, if you say, if that was a good thing, God must have been with me because I've done a good thing, welcome to religion. <laughs> Christianity, the gospel says it's both. Both dwell within you at the same time. And that's why there's a fight. That's why there's a fight. I call it the Mentos principle. You know, you guys surely should know by now that if you drop a Mentos into a bottle of Diet Coke, the whole thing explodes. Did you know that? If you didn't, you were armed with a piece of trivia for Tuesday night at the pub this week, if it comes up. But if you drop, if you drop a Mentos into a bottle of Diet Coke, it explodes. Now, I don't know why, but all I do know is that there's something about the two, those two natures, that when they're both within the same system, there's, there's energy, there's tussling, there's, grass, there's explosion. Because there's, there's something about them. And simply what Paul is saying here, Christianity is a fight because the nature of sin and the nature of the spirit are like Diet Coke. Yeah, Diet Coke is sinful and Mentos. <laughs> and so here's the thing, guys. If, if you want to know if you've been led by the spirit tonight, don't go get a blankie. Okay, don't go get a skinny latte. Look for the conflict. Look for the struggle. Be affirmed in the struggle. If you're the sort of person that's come to the diet going, oh, man, I'm, Sam, I'm wrestling with this stuff. Good. That's how it should be. There should be, there should be grappling. There should be life. There should be conflict. There should be struggle. Because the Christian has two natures in exactly the same space and there has to be struggle. And so as we move on tonight, I, I guess you with me, Christianity is a fight and that's okay. And so now I want to look into briefly then, if it's a fight and if the Spirit as a person has been sent to lead us, why do we miss the leading of the Spirit? Why, why, do we, why do we miss that? Why do we often too spend too much time in, in the sinful nature camp, in the me camp? Why do we miss the leading of the Spirit? Now, this list is not I- exhaustive, but, uh, but I think it's general. I think it covers most of, of a lot of what I see in pastoral ministry. I think that the first reason is a volume. I call it volume. Maybe your life is too loud. I mean, like if Adrian, if we, if we turned up... We turned up a bit of the, the, the backing noise right now as I'm trying to preach the sermon. I mean, I mean, how clear is the message that I'm trying to get through to you at the moment? Like, it's, I'm still speaking and the Holy Spirit's still speaking all the time. And you can listen to the Holy Spirit. There's a lot of different volume going on. And I'm not sure what's happening here. Are you with me? Do you agree?
Adrian sits on this side of the camp. (laughs) We live in a world where we're constantly dealing with volume issues, right? I mean, if it's if it's not the noise of the images of magazines showing that literally there's more volume in, in, in the images of models and supermodels and the promise that we're made in God's image. I mean, it's the noise of advertising, not just physically, but the noise of advertising that has more volume as far as your identity is concerned than the promises of the Word of God. It, it, it's, the, it's the approving words of your boss often will have more volume than the approving words of your Heavenly Father. We live in a world full of lots of noise. <laughs> lots of noise. <laughs> And you know, my dad's a classic for this sort of stuff. I saw it up at Port Macquarie last week. We were trying to have dinner around the dinner table and we had the windows open and we had the television on and we had music on in the other room and, and we had uh, kids screaming on the floor and we had trucks beeping outside. He was trying to tell us some really deep story, some scientific story that he normally does. And, and, and I'm talking to my little brother at the end of the table and there are three different conversations going on. He just says, it's so flippant hard to have a conversation in this house. And he just gave up. He just sat. He sulked. He did sulk. <laughs> At the end of the table. Oh, we're sorry, Dad. And everyone was quiet. <laughs> but then I thought he was teaching me a good ob- object lesson because you know, I think there can be times in my life where I treat my Heavenly Father in exactly the same way. I treat the other guy exactly the same way. I'm sure there are times in your life and my life where the other guy says, it's so flippin' hard to have a conversation in this place because there's so much noise. See, my experience is the other guy is always speaking. The Holy Spirit is always speaking, but he never shouts because he's a gentleman. And like we said, he's, he's a green cordial sort of guy. He's a backseat sort of guy. God, God always speaks through his Holy Spirit, but he's not going to shout. He's not going to have to. He's not, he's not here to talk over all the other things that are creating noise in your life because there's an aspect in which we are responsible to, to, to bring those volumes down. And so it means for you that there may, you may be missing the leading of the Spirit in your life because your life is too loud. It's, it's too hard to have a conversation in this place, God says, because you haven't turned the volume down on all the other voices in your life. Now, I'm not saying, yeah, go to a quiet place in the bush or get your blankie and, and that that is the solution. Well, what I'm saying is, you know, which voice, which noises in your life have more supremacy than God's tonight? And deeper than that, deeper than that, the issue is that it's not so much that these things are too loud in your life, but it's actually why are these things too loud in your life? Why is it that your boss has louder volume as far as approval is concerned than your Heavenly Father does? Why is it that the advertising images and the images that are portrayed of women in this world um, are, are louder than the promises of God and His approval and acceptance in the Bible? Why, why, why are these things louder? Why is the well done of your boss more loud than the well done, good and faithful servant of Jesus? Why, why is a lack of forgiveness and the resentment and the bitterness that you're holding because of that, because you're not extending it to another person, why is that louder than the, than, than, than the volume of the forgiveness poured out to you on the cross by our God? <laughs> you know what I'm doing there? A sound check. I'm doing a sound check. Guys, if, if, if we're missing the leading of God's spirit, maybe first, the first place for you to go is the sound desk of your heart. 
You've got to get the volume levels right first. Uh, maybe your life's too loud, but here's, here's the other one. Uh, we've got volume. The other one is, is comfort. Maybe your life is too safe. And that's why you're missing the leading of the Holy Spirit. I was talking to one of our interns this week. He's got some great opportunities ahead of him. There's some great stuff on his horizon. And uh, what was really affirming is saying, hey, look, you know, Sam, but you know, I want to be staying around in this place. I want to be staying here at Northside, all the cool things that are happening here. And I said, that's great. Uh, but, but you need to be praying. Is God uh, calling you here or are you here because it's too comfortable? And I've got to confess to you guys, that's, that's a prayer that I pray each and every week. Who wouldn't want to minister in a place like this? Who wouldn't want to be a part of this? Who wouldn't want to be part of the momentum? Who wouldn't want to be one block away from some of the best coffee in Sydney? <laughs> right? Seriously, it's a good gig. Yeah, it's a great gig in terms of what's happening. I'm real about it. But, but guys, I, I've got to confess to you, there's not a week goes by where I don't... Uh, get on my knees before the Lord and say, Lord, please just make sure that I'm not being comfortable. You see, because being comfortable can be one of the ways that we miss the leading of God. And, and, and having a little bit of extra spirituality in our life, I don't think is what really God intended for you and I. Uh, God, God, God didn't intend that way. If he did, it would have been the, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Experience. And I think, I think we sort of go, sometimes we treat the Holy Spirit like that. Oh, yeah, I, I just like three quarters of a liter of the Holy Spirit, but not too much to impact my life. Just enough to give me a little kick this week. God never intended it like that. You know, I, it was really cool at, at Exchange this week. One of the guys at Exchange at our Bible said, um, he said it, it often could look like this, that, that on, on Friday night we say to the Holy Spirit, look, I'm going out tonight, so can you just stay at home? <laughs> and then come Sunday night, Holy Spirit, I'm off to church. Can you come with me? I really want to feel the presence of God. <laughs> and you know what we're doing if we treat the other guy that way? You're treating him as an it, not a person. Week one. You can't, you can't, you can't treat God as an it. He's a person in the Holy Spirit. That's what we learned, that he's a person. And if, a, if the Spirit's a person, here's what people do. Here's what people do. People interrupt your comfort zones and your routines. And, 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 and permit me to go there. I'm going to use the first illustration of my little son in the four to five months since he's been born because I've committed I'm never going to be one of those soppy preachers that tells you about his kid every second week, Right? But here's the thing, this is what people do to you. You know, when Zach came along, you know, I'm sitting there playing my PlayStation 3. I've got a bit of Gran Turismo happening and I'm up to one of my best lap times and then I can hear this crying in the other room. And so initially I thought, yeah, Kristen's got it. <laughs> and he keeps, he keeps crying, Kristen. And then, and then it got to the point where he still keeps crying, oh, for heaven's sake, put the whole thing down, pause. Go back, pick, pick, pick your kid up. You know, see, see, that's what people do to you. I've realised for the first time in my family life that a person, not an it, a person has the ability to totally rearrange your life. You don't think the Holy Spirit is there to work in exactly the same way? I think we, we treat the Spirit like we hear the Spirit crying and trying to lead us and speak to us and we say... <laughs> But the, 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 spirit's, the Spirit's a person, and persons require you to put down what you want to do, require to put down your own agendas, 
And there's this verse in the Bible where this guy says to his followers, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world and yet forfeit their very self? You know what that verse is like to me? Kristen, Jesus is calling. Kristen. And I go, what? You, 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 you're, talking to, you're talking to me, Holy Spirit? You see, God, Jesus, because of the Holy Spirit, is not an it. And at times, let's be real, that is incredibly frustrating to our lives, isn't it? It's incredibly frustrating to our agendas because right at the wrong time, he pipes up. He pipes up and he's a real person and he demands attention. And because he is a person, the Holy Spirit will interrupt what you want to do. And because he's a person, he could call you out of all sorts of situations. And because he's a person, he could call you out of his comfort zone, out of your comfort zone. And I think the poignant of it for you and I is, like, what if the leading of the Holy Spirit was calling you to do something radical? What if the Holy Spirit was, I don't know, for example, calling you to sell everything and give it to the poor? And you know what's funny? Catch yourself for a second there. You do, what I, do you do what I do when I hear those sorts of things and start to self-justify? And we start to say this, oh, yeah, but, yeah, but Sam, you know, like he, does, he only does that to the missionaries. But take a moment for a minute and answer honestly. If he's a person, is it, it's not out of his character to ask everything of you tonight. It's not out of his character to call you out of your comfort zone. And if we are going to take the leading of the Spirit seriously, you know, I don't know about you, but I guess this is where it challenges me like crazy because, you know, I, I, you know, I, I say I want it all and I want to submit to God and I want to live a life of passionate, crazy glory for God and all this cool sort of stuff happening and I want to see the Spirit of God falling in this place and this church exploding and doing all that sort of stuff, but I won't lie, reality holds me back. And I like surfing, and I like coffee, and I like the low north shore, and I like a lot of the amazing blessings in my life. And look, not all of them are, are, are sinful. I'm not saying that they're sinful necessarily, but if I begin to process in like this passage, God's agenda versus mine, and I think about that possibility, you know what happens when in me? There's a bar fight. <laughs> There's a, there's a struggle, there's a grappling, there's a tension. It, it, ha, it has to. There's, there's life, there's a fight. You see, to give up everything's scary. But, you know, it's nowhere near as scary as consciously walking away from the will of God. And I have to remind myself of that each and every week. But the question I ask myself, the question I ask you guys tonight is, um, is, is your life too comfortable? You know, it, it, you, you'll know if it's too comfortable because there is no struggle. There is no processing. There is no grappling. There is no wrestling because it's comfy. And finally, quickly, it, look, whether it's volume, whether it's comfort, the last one is thinking. It could be one of the ways that we miss the leading of the Spirit. And you're thinking, whoa, you know, you're a conservative preacher. You know, you're telling us not to think. Um, no, he, look, here's what I'm getting at. How many times have, have you heard people say, oh, I just wish I knew God's will for my life? Anyone ever heard that? Anyone ever said that? Yes. <laughs> oh, I wish I just knew God's will for my life. And as a pastor, I hear it all the time. As, as a pastor, I ask it all the time. 
But, you know, in, in wrestling with this this week, you know, thinking about the leading of the Spirit, I think that sort of thinking can be a little bit misguided. I think we need to forget about God's will for our lives because God cares more about our response to his leading at this moment than he does in a year's time. And, and more importantly, even some of the decisions that you've got to make in a year's time will be radically affected by the sorts of decisions that you make in his leading right now. That is, God's not so much concerned about what you're going to do as a person, but the sort of person that we're through his leading, the sort of person that you will be. And you won't make decisions that are radically different and crazy for God if you've not gone through that process of making those small moment by moment by moment decisions for him. And so I say, forget about God's will for your life. And even great, uh, great preachers, great teachers like the Blackabees, Henry Blackaby says, uh, we, we should not ask, you know, we ask, ask the wrong question, you get the wrong answer. And he says, we should not ask, oh, what's God's will for my life? But simply, what's God's will? Not what's God's will for my life, but simply what's God's will? I think that was, it was so true, isn't it? I think we can get so caught up in ourselves at times. What's God doing for me? What's it in my life? It's, it's too us-centric, and, and as a result, we get what I call analysis paralysis, right? We overthink it because I'm one of those sorts of guys. You see, it's, it's easy to use God's future as an excuse for inaction or even disobedience in your life. And I think it's, it's, it's much less demanding and it's much less confronting to, to think about God's future than what he's going to call you to do in the next five minutes if you're really listening. It's, it's like those kids, you always know, see them get onto, the, they think they're really brave and they get up onto the 10 metre diving board at the aquatic centre, run up there and get up to the top and they run straight up to the edge. And, and have you ever noticed the difference between the kids that jump straight away and, and those that don't? You know, what happens to the kids that don't jump? You know, they, they get to the edge, they, they take a look, they take a step back and they take another look and another look. And, and every look seems to inch them further back towards the ladder until they're, well, they give up. Uh, I think if, when we move to these moments of decision in faith for God, sometimes we can be like a little kid on the 10-metre diving board. And, and maybe the best thing is just to have that leading of the Spirit to go, look, come on, we've just got to step and jump. Not overthink it, not have analysis paralysis. <laughs> and so have you got analysis paralysis? Are there, are there things that the Holy Spirit's calling you to do that you haven't done because you've overthought of it? Are you pulling back because you've looked over this edge and you've gone, oh. Are you, are you missing the leading of the Spirit because you're thinking it out too much? Is, is your life paralysed? And so, look, the question we ask tonight, what we put the problem at hand, guys, is the degree, you know, the quality of our community will be the secret of our mission. And so the degree to which we will become a community that's different and exploding in the life and the love and the patience and the peace of God, that's the fruits of the Spirit. We'll get to that in week five. But we need to get these foundations right now. The degree to which we are that wonderful community will be the degree to which you get the leading of the Holy Spirit in your life now. And so I've got to ask you, are you being led by the Spirit? And you say, well, how do I know if I'm being led by the Spirit? Look, um... Does, does, uh, does your life look like driving Miss Daisy? Are you just enjoying the scenery of church? You know, or 
does it look like a scene from Fight Club? You know, are there, are there bruises? Is there wrestling? Is there grappling? Because <laughs> that's what it is. Paul's life was a f- one big fight club, wasn't it? Romans 7, just before this chapter, he says, the things I want to do, I'm not doing, and the things I don't want to do, I am doing. Uh, the, the, for in my inner being, I want to do good, but evil is right there with me. Oh, what a wretched man I am. You know what, that, that's, that's fight club stuff. That, that's, that's, that's a bar fight right there. <laughs> With, with Paul. You know, and what I love about that is, is that not the most perfect picture of the Christian life, if we're real? It, 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 it's a fight. It's a fight to offer forgiveness to someone else. It's a fight to squash your own pride and your own self-interest in Christian community. It's, it's a fight to extend love and, and authentic uh, investment and interest in someone who is totally different from you. It's, it's a fight to subordinate our agenda to God's. But, you know, there's always two types of struggles, two types of fights, two types of exercises that if you do them, one will lead to totally diff- same sort of thing, totally different results. You know, there's a sort of fight and struggle and hecticness and exercise like when you're running late for the bus and you're running around and you're frantic and you're late for the bus and then you're late to work and you get to the boss and you're quick in conversation and you can't work it out. And at the end of the day, you're just exhausted. And yet there's a type of exercise called the gym. And you go well prepared, and you've got the bags packed, and the weights are getting heavier, and you're pushing harder and harder and harder, and at the end of it, you're just as wasted at the end of the day. And yet in this type of exercise, strength and growth explode from your life. If it's true in this world, is it not true in the spiritual world? There's two different types of exercise that you could do tonight. Both are similar, but, but one comes with totally different results. And so, you guys, you've got to come under the right fight tonight. You've got to come under the right fight. You know, some of you tonight need to go and fight a what? And some of you tonight are fighting a who? You know, some of you need to be clear on what we are fighting. I'm talking to the Christians here tonight. You need to be clear on what you're fighting tonight, whether it's volume or whether it's comfort, whether it's thinking. You need to work out what you're fighting tonight as far as the leading of the Spirit's concerned. But some of you need to be clear on who you're fighting. If you don't know God, the truth of the Bible is you, you're, you're fighting God whether you know it or not. You're pulling a wagon without wheels tonight. And, and you've asked questions and you're processing and all of that stuff. If there's stuff in your life that's just not making sense and there's no ease with what you're doing and you're feeling exhausted and you're frantic and you're up and down, you're doing the wrong sort of exercise. You've got to come under the right fight tonight, a fight of self-control and of wonder in Jesus Christ. And all I can say is for us tonight is that that decision is now. Don't, don't you dare overthink it. <laughs> the Spirit leads you now. And, and here's how we'll know if it's of the Spirit or not. You know, If it's not of the Spirit, you're going to say tonight, oh, that was a good sermon, Sam. It was slightly entertaining. Enough for me to get a few decent notes and I see that your points are valid and I uh, might refer to them later on the week if I have time. But I appreciate your work and I can see what you're doing here tonight and it's great to be a part of it all. And so if the Spirit's not at work, if, if the Spirit is at work in you tonight, there will be an urgency, there will be a grappling, uh, there will be thoughts brought to mind, um, there will be a fight. And you need to do something about it now. We are going into a time of ministry. You need to work out as we come to the table tonight what it is you're fighting, 
what it is that you're missing in the leading of the Spirit. Some of you tonight need to work out who it is you're fighting. Some of you need to work out why you feel so exhausted and the wheels are off the wagon. But either way, I think the thing that God's been challenging me on tonight is that the decisions have to start now, not in the future. The Spirit leads us now. Let's come to the table. Let's have communion. Uh, Let's just see the ways in which God is going to minister to us through the other guy, the Holy Spirit. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, we thank you uh, that you send your Spirit to uh, take what is yours and make it known to us. And Father, we recognise that we are uh, imperfect, that uh, there is a war going on in each and every one of us here tonight. And Father, I just thank you for how uh, affirming, um, how freeing uh, your word is tonight. That at the beginning of this passage, you know, Paul says, there is no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. Uh, that there is, uh, there is a wonder and there is a hope that we eagerly await, and that is to be united with you, Heavenly Father, when we finally have that day where we are freed from the presence of sin in our life. But Lord, we pray for this community and we pray that as we come to do business with you tonight, Heavenly Father, during this time of communion, that um, you would speak to us, that the voices would uh, fade away, that, that maybe in this one precious moment all week that we might seize that and you might speak to us tonight through your Holy Spirit. Lord, give us open hearts. Give us hearts that are just open to this person, the Holy Spirit, and what it is that you might want to speak to each and every person tonight in this auditorium. There might be people here who've got to think about job decisions or family situations or comfort zones that need to be stepped out of. And we just pray that you're going to speak to us powerfully through that now. Lord, we know your Spirit's at work. We know that there are, there are people here tonight that are, that are on the wrong side of the fight, that the fight's still going on outside the bar. It hasn't been internalized. Um, there's no inner fight. There's no inner struggle because um, they haven't come under you, Heavenly Father, through a relationship with Jesus Christ. And I just pray that only through his work tonight, that if there are people in that place that need to make that commitment to you and your son through faith, and you're going to prompt them, you're going to stir them, that they're going to respond now to that feeling that is in the very depths of our heart, but their heart. But Heavenly Father, we pray for this community. We, we openly, we honestly, each and every one of us come before you now, Father, to say sorry for things in our life that are not right with you. And most importantly, to accept responsibility, Heavenly Father. As a result, we're just praying that this church is going to become ever more wonderful and ever more beautiful and ever more attractive to the world around us. So speak to us, minister to us now through the other guy, through your Holy Spirit. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.